Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Monday, February 20th. President's Day. Good morning and welcome back to the final hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverins and our studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for joining us across America, wherever you may be on this Monday morning. It's always a joy and a privilege to be with you to start your week here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. If you missed any of our conversation last hour on the meaning of President's Day, you can always go to our Morning Air podcast and download the show at RelevantRadio.com or the Relevant Radio app. You can always find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show. And if you want to send us an email directly with any comment or any show idea that you might have, it's MorningAir at RelevantRadio.com. Want to bring in our morning air team once again, Glenn and Sarah. Glenn, what are a few of the stories making headlines here this hour on uh, this Monday, President's Day? Well, John, we wake up with a surprise uh, that it was a surprise visit for for many. uh, Just a few in the know as President Biden visited with President Zelensky in Ukraine in Kiev. Not just across the border in Lviv, but uh, right in the uh, heart of Ukraine, in the capital city, uh, announcing another half billion dollars in military aid and uh, promising we'll be there as long as it takes. Not long ago, you told us, you told the Congress, quote, we have no fear, nor should any in the world have it, end of quote. You and all Ukrainians, Mr. President, remind the world every single day what the meaning of the word courage is. It's astounding. Remind us that freedom is priceless. It's worth fighting for for as long as it takes. And that's how long we're going to be with you, Mr. President, for as long as it takes. And Glenn, uh, last hour, of course, we uh, got uh, different perspectives on uh, this upcoming one-year anniversary on the war in Ukraine with Father Mikhailo Kuzma. Uh, He is the pastor of Immaculate Conception Ukrainian Catholic Church uh, in suburban Chicago, gave us a spiritual perspective and how it's affecting uh, the Ukrainian people here in this country. And uh, we also heard from Britton Buckner uh, with uh, CRS, uh, Catholic Relief Services uh, in Poland, uh, and shared with us uh, uh, how that organization is helping in the humanitarian crisis. So uh, th- this is something that we just got to continue to pray for and, and pray that that consecration of Pope Francis last year of Ukraine uh, and Russia uh, will, in the end, bring peace. Yeah, absolutely. That is needed. That is needed as things uh, could be escalating even more. It sent a strong message to the president uh, being there in Ukraine. We would have been giving that money either way, but a strong visual. Also, word over the weekend, uh, we've uh, caught wind through intelligence sources of possible Chinese help in terms of providing drones for uh, for Russia. And uh, so with China being called out over that in hopes they might not follow through with that, but uh, we don't really need any more major players joining this game. 
It'll be interesting uh, what comes of uh, the planned meeting. Uh, he was supposed to, the president was supposed to be heading to to Warsaw tomorrow for that meeting uh, with uh, the NATO leaders uh, there in uh, in Warsaw. So uh, uh, we we have a, a lot to to continue to pray for, uh, my friend. Absolutely, absolutely, including closer to home as well. A uh, tragic death over the weekend. The auxiliary bishop David O'Connell of Los Angeles was found shot dead on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, extremely uh, shocking uh, story. I mean, we hear about violence. It goes on all the time. But when it happens to one of our very own shepherds, a Catholic auxiliary bishop of Los Angeles, it really hit home. No further details available yet from the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. But, uh, of course, prayers called for. Archbishop Gomez said we ask our Blessed Mother Mary to intercede and be a mother for us all in this moment of sadness and pain. Absolutely. Uh, we, uh, we pray uh, for Bishop O'Connell and uh, for the repose of his soul, as well as uh, for his family and, and the, the people of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, who I'm sure are really uh, affected by this shocking uh, news of this murder. Yeah, just uh, no words for that, John. No words. For sure. And uh, on a lighter note, uh, a lot of kids are home from school today on a President's Day enjoying uh, a day off. <laughs> it's good. That, you know, we love to <laughs> have those days off and it's good to have them, especially, you know, when you could have a couple of minutes, maybe the, during the day, throughout the day, try to sneak in some of that educational reason that they're having the day off. You know, Martin Luther King Day and President's Day, there's always one a month. Those teachers need at least one day off a month. So that's good. Well, I thought it was fascinating conversation we had with uh, Professor Dan Burns in the first hour about some of the Catholic reasons uh, for us to celebrate President's Day. So maybe uh, this can be passed on to uh, the youngsters as well. Yeah, I did not know that ahead of time. It's, uh, it's kind of fun to, to find out uh, some of the, the wisdom of our early leaders. A- a- absolutely. And of course, uh, we uh, can continue to pray uh, for our Catholic president, for President Biden, uh, on, on this uh, President's Day. It's always a good thing to do to pray for them. Absolutely. Pray for the people in power because it is a tough job. A job. I, I every time we have a new election cycle, I don't know who these crazy people are who want to be presidents because it's that's a tough job to have. That is not one I will ever be running for. So you guys can count me out. Well, you know, even if we don't agree with our president, we still. Uh, our our faith teaches us that we should pray for him. So especially uh, as he's on this trip uh, to Ukraine and Poland. So uh, we continue to pray for our president. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Sarah and Glenn. Hey, sure thing, John. We um, always begin every hour, always in prayer, giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. And traditionally on Mondays, we pray for the souls in purgatory of our relatives and loved ones who really do need our prayers. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. We invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 
Now, as we've been talking about for days, Lent is almost here. Ash Wednesday is just two days away, coming up on February 22nd. I want to remind you that you can elevate your Lent this year in just a few minutes each day with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. They are packed with interesting facts and teachings to help you learn more about the Mass and about your faith. See why these bite-sized videos have had over a million views uh, just last year alone. Sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. And the really good news, they're free. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. Do it this morning. Now, uh, here in this uh, upcoming segment, uh, we're going to continue a new series on morality, virtue, and freedom with our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters. In today's show, we're going to talk about the cardinal virtues. Today, we'll discuss the virtue of prudence. Our number, if you want to be part of the conversation, 888-914-9149. Joining us live is our spiritual director, Father Burke Masters, the pastor of St. Isaac Jogues Parish in Hinsdale, Illinois, in, in suburban Chicago, the Chicago Cubs. Catholic chaplain known as the baseball priest and a longtime morning air contributor. Good morning, Father Burke. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you on another Monday morning here on this President's Day. Good morning, John. Always good to be with you and uh, uh, with your listeners here on Monday. Absolutely. So this morning we're, we're going to talk about uh, the cardinal virtues. Uh, can you please explain exactly uh, what are the cardinal virtues and why are they called cardinal? Yeah, so the catechism says these cardinal virtues, uh, are they play a pivotal role in our decision-making. You know, as we've been talking about in, in morality, the catechism begins with, we have a vocation to beatitude, uh, which is a, a call to true happiness, which comes with union with Christ, ultimately with Christ in heaven. But we can experience glimpses of heaven here on earth by uniting ourselves more closely with Christ. So that's our ultimate goal. And these virtues, as you call the cardinal virtues, you know, we have the theological virtues, which we'll get to after these, which is faith, hope, and love. The cardinal virtues, uh, kind of like these natural virtues that um, lead us toward making good decisions. Uh, Prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Um, and they call prudence the charioteer of these, um, of these virtues. You can imagine a charioteer kind of, you know, having four horses, and it's the, it's the, the driver of the, the chariot that's kind of guiding all of these. So, so prudence is that sense of wisdom of making a good decision. Justice is giving due giving what is due to God and giving what is due to our neighbor, what somebody uh, deserves is justice. So that, that's a fascinating topic, especially today. Uh, we'll get to that next week. Fortitude is having the courage and strength to, to make good decisions, uh, especially when they're, they're not popular. And temperance is that virtue of, you know, moderating things. You know, you know they always say the, the virtue lies in, in the in the means in the middle, not in any extreme, but kind of uh, tempering things, you know, going down that middle road. And so we'll be unpacking each one of these virtues over the next four weeks and 
today, as you mentioned, we'll focus on, on prudence. Well, let's talk about prudence. Why is prudence uh, so important for us to to understand uh, this uh, virtue and, and how uh, it's it's so important in terms of making right judgments, making uh, right decisions uh, when we need to make them? Yeah, so and, and with prudence and with all of these virtues, again, we have to keep uh, our goal in mind, like where are we going? If, if we haven't asked ourselves those important questions, for example, where do I come from? Uh, why am I here? Where am I going? And if we keep those in mind that, you know, none of us gets out of this life alive, uh, our physical bodies, but our souls are eternal. And so our ultimate goal, where we're going is heaven. And so when we make prudent decisions, um, you know, prudence uses practical reason to discern well, what is truly good and to be able to choose what is right. And so we've talked about in, in these morality sessions, you know, we have an intellect and a will. So God's grace enlightens our intellect to know the true good and beautiful. The will uh, is strengthened by God's grace to say, yes, I, I can do this. I'm going to choose it. Prudence is that virtue that it, it kind of discerns uh, all of the information that I have about a certain situation and then to say, okay, I'm going to move toward this direction. St. Thomas Aquinas, of course, is you know, one of the greatest minds uh, ever on this earth. And, and he says we have three uh, faculties, uh, three virtues underneath prudence that really help us um, counsel, judgment, and decisiveness. And we can get into each one of those. Yeah, let's talk about um, these three key aspects of prudent. Uh, obviously, St. Thomas uh, Aquinas, one of the, the greatest theologians, uh, greatest minds in the history of the Church, uh, really kind of breaks it down for us. He does. So, and this is, this is very helpful. So let's, let's think practically. You know, I, I, I'm one, I love to study theology and, and morality, uh, and I think all of us want to know, what does this mean in my daily life? You know, so um, so counsel is taking stock of a situation, you know, gathering the necessary information. For example, uh, let's let's think about when I was in high school and I was a baseball player and I was discerning where should I go to college to further my education and to to play college baseball. So this this counsel is gathering all the information. So I would study. The university. So my, I narrowed down my final three choices were Northwestern, Mississippi State, and Stanford. And people, when they hear those, they say, you know, boy, Northwestern and, Missis- and, uh, and Stanford, you know, two great academic schools, Mississippi State, uh, you know, it doesn't have that reputation, even though it's a very good school. But I, I, I visited Northwestern, I got all the information, loved it. I had Joe Girardi was my uh, my host that weekend, he played at Northwestern, uh, but it snowed, and I thought, oh, I'm tired of playing baseball in the snow. <laughs> so I went to Mississippi State the next week. It was 80 degrees in February, um, you know, 10,000 people in the stands, wonderful hospitality. Four future major league ball players were playing on that team. And uh, part of my, uh, you know, and, and we'll get to one of the kind of the blocks to good counsel is impulsiveness. <laughs> and so at, on that weekend, I, I decided to cancel my trip to Stanford, and I signed a letter of intent to go to Mississippi State. Now, I don't regret that decision at all, and I, it, 
I know how God, God used that decision in big ways. But maybe if I'd have fully, you know, used this uh, virtue of counsel, maybe I would have gone to Stanford and uh, looked at that as well. So counsel is gathering all the information. And um, another, besides impulses, uh, other blocks to counsel are passions. We've talked about our passions, how, you know, we need to be able to be aware of uh, the passions that we have in our hearts. And it's not just talking about sexual passions, but all of the desires that we have and kind of harness them, moving them toward God and stubbornness. Sometimes we say, I'm going to make this decision and nobody's going to stop me. Um, a, a big area here that you might see is in relationships. You know, have you ever seen somebody who, you know, falls in love with someone and even though everyone around them, you know, says, I don't think this relationship is good for you. Your personality has changed. You're isolating yourself. If somebody is truly seeking good counsel, they might say, wow, everybody around me says this isn't good, but in my stubbornness, I'm going to do this anyway. So this is, uh, this is some of the ways that the, the virtue of counsel helps us to make prudent decisions. Well, Father Burke, uh, what you just described is very practical way to apply uh, St. Thomas Aquinas' teaching uh, when it comes to, to prudence. I may have to hit you up uh, down the road uh, uh, with some counsel uh, from you. Um, my son's already eyeing Mississippi State as a possibility uh, to play uh, in college, so that, that's a whole other discussion. Yeah, and I, and I don't want to make it sound like I made a bad decision because— God uses our decisions. And, and so I, I went to Mississippi State, absolutely loved it. And it was there, actually, that I was a brand new Catholic. I converted to Catholicism in 18, as an 18-year-old senior in high school. I go to the Bible Belt in Mississippi, and a lot of people challenged my faith because not many people knew much about Catholicism there. And it was in their, in their questioning, I had to, you know, learn more about my Catholic faith. And it actually actually strengthened my faith to the point where it was 12 years later that I went to the seminary. And so God often uses our decisions, even if we haven't gone through these, you know, counsel, judgment, decisiveness, uh, maybe in the most prudent way, God can still use our decisions uh, for the good. So after counsel, St. Thomas Aquinas says the next uh, virtue under prudence is judgment, um, using right principles and right desires. So he says that the four substitutes for God are honor, power, pleasure, and wealth. If, if our desires are around honor, power, pleasure, and wealth, um, it's not leading us directly toward the ultimate goal of heaven. It doesn't mean like money is bad, but it means if we make any of those our God, and I can honestly say as an, eight, as an 18-year-old senior in high school, I wanted to be a famous, rich uh ball player. <laughs> and so my, my desires probably weren't all lined up to uh, becoming a saint, to becoming holy. And that's where judgment comes in, is that if our right principles should be the Ten Commandments, you know, moral principles that the Church gives us, that, that God has given us, and then uh, aligning our desires along with that ultimate goal of heaven. And then in judgment, too, we should seek Seek the counsel uh, of of the of the wisdom figures in our lives. I think one of the things we've lost is um, really seeking advice from people who have experience more than us. 
often as young people, and that's where the stubbornness can come in. It's like, I know better than anyone, and I'm going to choose my way rather than, oh, my parents have been through some of these decisions before. Maybe I can ask for their wisdom. And then the third piece under prudence, so we have counsel, judgment, and then decisiveness. Once we have um, sought counsel, once that we have discerned through right principles and, and uh, right desires, made a judgment, now we need to, to decide and move on it. How often have we made a decision and then we, we delay it, or we make a decision and then we pull back from it? Uh, if we've gone through this process well and, and discerned um, prudently what is the right decision, then we need to make the decision and stick with it and follow through with it. Um, and so I, I love this, this uh, virtue of prudence because it's so practical and, and we need it every day. It's this, it's this wisdom that God gives us that keeps moving us in the direction toward holiness and toward heaven. Father Burke, uh, we have uh, a listener joining us from St. Paul, um, Minnesota this morning. Mary, uh, welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Father Burke Masters. Good morning. Um, I absolutely love this virtue, um, which I hadn't practiced in a long time. But uh, last Advent, our Lord, I encountered our Lord in confession, and He called me to to this virtue, um, prudence and counsel. <clears throat> and I was going through. I've been going through something for a very long time, and not knowing what to do. So I did some reading, um, and Father is spot on on all the things that he's talking about. Um, did some reading from St. Thomas Aquinas, um, some reading on the Catechism as well. So I'm a very practical person, um, so this works really well for me. So just sitting down, um, taking the facts, um, looking at the pros and the cons, and I did this during adoration, and also calling on, on Our Lady of Good Counsel and the Holy Spirit, asking for that gift of counsel, and then um, also talking to the people who care about me, and they all ended up uh, with the same, you know, agreeing with me. Um, so I just wanted to 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 say that um, this is a very very important virtue. Um, it has helped me. I made the decision that I needed to make. I was um, at the back of my mind, keeping keeping in mind the goal, and my goal was and is to 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 be happy in this life you know, and then um, be with God forever in the next life, you know, which is eternal life. So the decision that I ultimately made um, was geared towards that goal, even though it's not a popular decision. Um, but the Lord worked everything out. So I just wanted to share that. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. And what I love that you said, you, you made a, a list of pros and cons uh, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So prayer, uh, discerning decisions prayerfully, and, and doing study, so I'm a big advocate of the Crucio movement in the Catholic Church. And two of the three pillars of, of faith, they say, is our prayer and study. The so prayer strengthens the will and enlightens our mind, and, and study enlightens our minds as well in, other, in order to make these good decisions. So, um, yeah, so prayer has to be a constant uh, source for us making prudent decisions. So thank you for sharing that. Thanks so much, uh, Mary. Uh, Father Burke, uh, final thoughts. Um, one thing we hadn't touched on uh, much is uh, the importance of uh, praying to the Holy Spirit, uh, to, to ask the Spirit to really enlighten us and, and to open up uh, our, our minds and hearts uh, to, to make that right decision. 
Absolutely. I, I would recommend, you know, we don't have time to maybe go to the Adoration Chapel on every small decision that we make during the day, but when you have big, important decisions, there's no better place to go before the Blessed Sacrament and say, come Holy Spirit, guide me. Um, and, you know, just have this dialogue back and forth between you and, and God through the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and they'll lead you. And I, I want to circle back to my decision you know, about Mississippi State. I may have some Mississippi State fans uh, here. You know, if I had gone through this process, you know, well, I may have come back to Mississippi State uh, anyway. So uh, um, there's... You know, God, God writes straight with crooked lines, and, and uh, if we are truly seeking His will, sometimes even we might, not, we might not make the most prudent decision at the time, but if we're constantly, even after we make that decisive move, uh, we have to keep abiding in His will. And so it's not just a one-time decision and now I'm done, but every day saying, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, and that will lead us toward our our ultimate goal, as our caller said, happiness in this life and ultimate happiness with, with the Lord in heaven. Well, we're going to have to leave it right there. Uh, a tremendous uh, a teaching. Thanks so much uh, for for sharing with us. I'm I'm always reminded uh, of uh, our hero, uh, St. John Paul II, who used to pray, Here I am, Lord, I come to do your will. I never forget mm-hmm. the, those words from uh, JP2. So, um, Father Burke, thank you as always. Thank you. And uh, JP2, yeah, one of my one of my heroes for sure. God bless you, John, and all, all of your listeners uh, today. Uh, full team workouts begin in Major League Baseball today, so it's it's exciting. Spring uh, training is in full swing, Father. And and Lent, I, I use the analogy as Lent is our spiritual spring training. So just like these players go back to the basics, you know, even though they're professionals, we as you know, we may may be Catholic our whole lives, but Lent is bringing us back to those those basics of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. So let's dive into uh, this beautiful season that the Church is giving us. I love it. We're going to have to talk about uh, Lent as a spiritual spring training uh, coming up here during this Lent. Thanks again, Father Burke. God bless you. Father Burke Masters, the baseball priest and longtime morning air contributor. We need to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Catholic children's author and mother. Gracie Jagla will be with us to tell us about her new children's book. It's called Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. So stay tuned. Much more to come here on this Monday, President's Day edition of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverett. I hope you're awake and up and at them by now. Welcome back to Morning Air on this President's Day. I'm John Morales, along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for tuning in on this Monday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Morning Air Show, and you can always send us an email directly with any of your thoughts or suggestions or story ideas, morningair at relevantradio.com. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Ephesians 2.8. The Apostle St. Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. 
Our salvation is all about faith because everything depends on faith. Everything is a grace. We are saved by grace through faith, working in love, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, believing in Jesus Christ and in the one who sent him for our salvation is necessary for obtaining that salvation. This is why the letter of the Hebrews says, without faith it is impossible to please God. This is why St. Paul, the great apostle, tells us, we must walk by faith and not by sight. And this is why we always pray with great confidence, Jesus, I trust in you. Our number, if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Now I want to shift gears and talk about a new children's book. There's no doubt that the centrality of our Catholic faith relies uh, on uh, Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, the source and summit of our faith. How can we explain uh, this uh, very complex reality to our children? Uh, When we go to Mass, how can we teach our kids that a mere piece of bread that the priest is holding becomes Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity? Joining us live from South Bend, Indiana, is award-winning Catholic children's author Gracie Jagla to discuss her new children's book called Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. Gracie is a wife and mother She's written several books, including God the Father and The Best Day Ever and The Night the Saints Saved Christmas. You can find out more about her books, Babies and Tips for Catholic Living at her Instagram and A Sprinkle of Grace. Good morning, Gracie. Thanks uh, so much for joining us this morning. It is good to be with you once again. Good morning, John. I always love to talk to you, and I always love to talk about children's books, so this is great. I'm happy to be here. Well, uh, I'm so happy for you. Uh, Your much-anticipated book on uh, the Mass for Children, uh, I believe, is now out. Absolutely. Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. It's really amazing. It came out just this week, but the publishing takes a long time, so it was written years ago, and it's beautiful to just see it kind of come to life slowly through illustrations, and you get bits and pieces, and then all of a sudden it's in my own hands, in my children's hands, which is a whole new level, and finally I've gotten to see it in other families and people, you know, sending pictures of their children reading it, and that's just, that's the best feeling in the world. That's what I write them for in hopes that other little children will grow closer to Jesus and have a book of their own, so it's been a fun week. Well, Gracie's got to be so exciting for you. Uh, what was it like uh, when your own children uh, actually saw the cover of uh, of Jesus uh, right there, uh, you know, behind the the altar on the cover of your of your book, uh, Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass? Oh, it's amazing! It's such a gift to be able to write books because you know, when I first started writing, I was just they were they were notes in a notebook and they had no illustrations. They had nothing to go along with them, and of course, the story is great, but. In a children's world, everything is pictures. And so to see those words brought to life and brought to life so beautifully as the illustrator did, I don't know if you saw, he he did them not on the computer, but they're all original oil paintings. So every one of them he did fully on a big canvas and you can see the individual brush strokes in the pictures and it just adds a whole level of kind of reverence and specialness to the book that it's been beautiful watching it come to life. You understand uh, the power of pictures. Kids love pictures. Absolutely, they do. It's sweet to see my little girls go through it and pick out 
little secret things. And I think the pictures add a really personal element, especially in this book. So I guess one example, I was trying to capture So the book, as an overview, it's about the mass as a whole, but not just about the mass as we experience it on earth, but kind of the heavenly perspective of the mass. And if we had Jesus' own vision, if we could see what was really going on in heaven, what would we get to see? Revealing those behind-the-scenes miracles. So one of the examples I was trying to think of, we know that when Jesus comes down to be with us on earth, he brings all of heaven with him. So the communion of saints and angels are all with us. And when I normally think about that. I don't know about you, but I kind of picture the saints and angels way far up on the altar away from us and their heads are down and they're very reverent and they're kind of, they're, they're almost distant or removed. But in the process of this book, the, the line that I wrote for it is the saints and past loved ones come squeeze in your pew, tell them, hello, they're here praying with you. So trying to take images that we might have had in our minds of maybe the saints and angels being so distant from us, and then trying to make it so much more personal and close to us. So children will really be struck by this reality of the communion of saints and angels in our midst. And the illustration that brings that to life has these two children kind of looking up in the air and wonder, and there's this child and her grandparents are right above her, just smiling so close to her. And I love the way that the illustrations give children an image in their minds that they can now take into a mass and hopefully have a deeper, richer experience of the mass because of beautiful art that they've seen. Well, Gracie, uh, you mentioned that uh, originally you you started writing these books, just uh, putting notes in your notebook. What what finally uh, inspired you to take it to the next step and and write a book uh, about the mass specifically for children? About the Mass, specifically for children. Well, so I guess it kind of started as a follow-up for God the Father and the Best Day Ever. In the writing of God the Father, my first children's book, it was a realization that we, you know, we love the Trinity and we love to pray to Jesus, but we there are very few children's books that focus on just individual members of the Trinity. I don't think there are very many books at all that are just about God the Father or just about the Holy Spirit. And so I actually have... So I have the God the Father book, and then there's this book on Jesus, and there's a third book on the Holy Spirit. And the purpose of each of these books is to take each member of the Trinity and make them so personal and so alive in the hearts of children and parents alike, so that in reading Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass, I just hope children will finish the book and think, I want to be closer to Jesus now, or look how much Jesus loves me. How can I not want to talk to him? And I love the way Jesus is illustrated in this book. He looks kind of like Jesus from The Chosen. There's such a warmth and invitingness to him. I just really hope in reading this book, children will desire closeness with Jesus more than ever before. Well, Gracie, uh, when you consider the reality that uh, adult Catholics in this country, according to polls in recent years, uh, you know, nearly 70 percent don't believe in the real presence. Can you talk about the importance of of starting uh, children when they're really little, when they're young, about learning about this important teaching uh, so fundamental to our faith of the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist? Absolutely. So the Eucharist is the source and summit of our faith. It's what our whole faith is built around. And on top of it just being a foundational element of our faith, it's this huge, incredible gift. It's the most intimate gift we'll ever have with Jesus. So we just want the whole world to know it and believe it, certainly starting with our children. But it goes for parents alike. And I think a lot of people maybe just don't believe in the Eucharist, not 
out of maliciousness, but because they don't understand or because they've never been taught. And so in this book, I really tried to appeal to parents as well. And it works on a simple level. It works so that a child can understand it, but there are so many layers of meaning behind it. I think parents would be surprised in reading it, how they would get just as much out of it. And it really can become a family conversation where families can grow in appreciation of the real presence together. Because I think if everyone knew what was going on in the mass, the whole world would believe. How could they not? So just how do we get people to that place of understanding? That is the big question. That's why the bishops have called for a, uh, a three-year Eucharistic revival that, w- that we're in right now. And I want to invite our listeners, uh, if you use uh, children's books in teaching the Catholic faith to, to your kids, if you want to be part of our conversation with award-winning Catholic children's author Gracie Jagla, talking about her new book, Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass, uh, we're taking your calls, 888-914-9149, that's 888-914. 914-9149. We'd love uh, to hear uh, from you. So we're going to take a short break as we continue our discussion with Gracie. Stay with us. There's much more to come on the other side. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine is our number. Triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. We're talking about uh, the beauty of uh, children's books in teaching our Catholic faith. They're joined this morning by uh, wife, mother, and Catholic children's author, Gracie Jagla, who has been telling us about her latest uh, children's book, Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. Gracie, um, we started to talk about the book, and you described, uh, you know, some of the beautiful, uh, you know, pictures, the paintings. Can you can kind of give us a little bit more about the content of, of what your uh, book has? Absolutely. So this book, there are a lot of wonderful books about the Mass right now. And during the time of Eucharistic Revival, I think that's so wonderful. We can never have too many books about the Eucharist. Um, The way that this book is kind of different and distinctive, it's written from the perspective of Jesus himself. And I tried to write it a few different ways, and it only sounded right when I wrote it from Jesus' perspective. I think because the Eucharist is just so intimate and there's such a closeness that we have with Jesus, it made the most sense to try to kind of capture some of that closeness with Jesus' own voice. And so the book begins, My child, I'm Jesus, and I love you so. I have a great story I'd like you to know. And then he takes the children in and says, if you went to Mass and you saw with my eyes, you would see all of heaven right there in disguise. So you kind of see the children entering from our world into more Jesus' world. And it walks children not through just the moment of the Eucharist, but really through every part of Mass, because I wanted it to be a book that parents could take with them to church and their children would understand the Mass as a whole. There's meaning not just in the moment of consecration, there's meaning all throughout the Mass. So it talks about how at the very beginning of Mass, when you sit down, you're preparing your heart, and Jesus is already sitting right next to you, helping you right there in the pew to understand what's about to happen. And then it talks about, obviously, a lot in that moment of consecration. Um, It really brings to life the representation of Christ's passion, death, and resurrection. So it talks about how 
were a part of Jesus' death, and there's this illustration of children at the cross with Jesus. It talks about how we're a part of his resurrection, and it shows Jesus standing triumphantly in front of the tomb, and his arms are flung out wide, and the children are copying him, and their arms are flung out wide. And then one of my favorite parts about the content and what I think has really struck a chord with other families from what I've heard, there's this moment when you go up to the Eucharist and there's all this buildup in church about it and you receive Jesus and you know it's this great blessing and then you go back to the pew and children, but I think adults alike, myself included, there's this moment of what do I say now or what do I do? You've been given this great gift, but sometimes you don't know what to say to Jesus. If you're like me, you're probably watching people in their outfits, walking up to mass, looking at everybody and getting distracted. But the way that I wrote it, I wrote, you know, imagine your best friend is sitting by you. What would you say to them? What would you do? And there's this beautiful illustration of the children sitting on Jesus' lap under a tree. And you really see that this there's nothing really that's required of you in this moment other than to be with your friend, Jesus, to listen to him and to tell him your stories about your week. So I think the heart of the content of the book is walking children through every part of the Mass and trying to identify where is Jesus really, and where is the miracle really in all of these moments? Well, Gracie, uh, it's a it's a beautiful vision uh, that you have for for this book to touch the hearts uh, of children. But in your uh, description of the book, uh, you mentioned that it could touch adults' hearts as well. I mean, it, as adults, we need to to learn from uh, children. You know, let the little children come to me. Our Lord Jesus said we need to have that childlike faith and understanding uh, uh, from Jesus' perspective that you uh, beautifully uh, display in the book. Absolutely. So my grandpa always says, this book is just as much for adults as it is for children. And there is an element, like you mentioned, there are so many people who don't believe in the real presence. And I think it's one thing to believe in it, and then it's a whole other thing to really be able to understand it and explain it. I think a lot of Catholics believe in it with their whole hearts, and that's the beginning, that's the faith part, and that's wonderful. But not everybody knows how to speak about the Eucharist and not everybody knows everything that's behind the scenes or has been educated in the miracle that we really have. And I think the more we understand it, the more we're able to love it and appreciate it. It's like having a friend. You can kind of love someone right off the bat and believe that they're a good person, but you can't really have a deeper love and appreciation for them until you know a lot about them. And the more you know about them, the more you find things to fall in love with. So as children read this book and as adults read this book, I hope it just does a good job in a small way of helping people understand what the Eucharist is. Because like I said before, if everybody in the world knew the gift that the Eucharist was, there would be lines out the door every Sunday. I know we could talk about Marian apparitions and how if you could see a vision of Mary at this moment, Everybody would go. I mean, people would drive from all across the country if they could see Mary in person. Well, that's happening every day with Jesus. And he's hidden. He's hidden in the bread. But he's just as present there as Mary when she comes down for an apparition or any of these other miracles. So we should really see them for the gifts that they are.
Well, Gracie, as someone who has uh, learned about the beauty of using children's books to teach the faith uh, to her children is our very own uh, producer, uh, Sarah, who is here with us. Uh, I know, Sarah, you know firsthand how, how wonderful these children's books can be. Yeah, John, he saw me all this nodding I'm doing from the other side of the screen as you're talking. <laughs> I love that this book is about the entire mass. We are in a desperate need for resources to teach our children and to help them understand what's happening happening all mass long. And I know that there are several resources out there. I use some of them myself, but I'm happy that there's a new one. I'm looking forward to picking this up because (laughs) as little kids, and even as they get older, you know, they've been in mass for a long period of time. So they know what's going on or so they think just like all of us as adults. And so they kind of just zone out. And this is another new way to kind of bring the the amazing, wonderful things that are happening that we just don't see. And when we don't see, it's easy to not believe. And so it's so wonderful. This is another uh, beautiful resource that we have, Gracie. So thank you so much for working on this. But it seems like, you know, right during the consecration is usually when chaos is uh, developing in your pew. (laughs) Usually some kid is screaming something out that is not appropriate and there's a lot of hushing. And so you yourself are kind of missing a lot of what is going on. But yeah, just walking into, man, it's the trenches out there for kids with uh, parents with uh, little kids. So this is a wonderful resource and a good thing we, as adults, you were mentioning, like these are things that we need to remember, that we need to rediscover that even if you're... A senior citizen, you can still rediscover the amazing things that are happening in mass mm-hmm. because it, we put it out of our mind because we can't see it. So it's a it's a good resource and a good reminder to all of us, uh, especially Dr. Seuss style with all of the, uh, the, the, <laughs> the words in that kind of rhythmic pattern is so great. So thank you very much, Gracie, for this book. Oh, thank you, Sarah, for saying all of that. I want to be fully clear that I have the children in mass who are making noise in the consecration. I've got a two-year-old and a one-year-old. And just because, you know, I have a book about the Eucharist does not mean that we don't have um, just chaotic or noisy moments in church. And that's okay. It's okay to, you know, be a mom or a parent in mass who feels like they can't give their full attention to the Eucharist. And that doesn't mean that you're not understanding and appreciating it. I think God has a special love for families in mass who are in the trenches just trying to make it through mass with their little ones and teach them how to respect the gift that it is. So and if anything, this book is a good thing that you can read before mass or after mass to prepare uh, so that just in case you are distracted in mass because it happens to everybody, you can at least have had meditated upon the mystery of it. And I think Jesus pours out an abundance of graces on families in mass. So I'm really excited for people to see it. It's on Amazon and they can find it through my website, graciejagla.com, or through my Instagram and a sprinkle of grace, and I'll sign a copy personally and send it right to you. Sounds great. We're going to have to leave it right there, Gracie. Uh, thank you so much uh, for being uh, with us, and uh, many blessings on your new book, Jesus and the Miracle of the Mass. God bless you. Thank you so much. Have a good day. And now it's time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. For President's Day, a Lincoln story today, it's called The Young Sentinel by Z.A. Mudge. In the summer of 1862, a young man belonging to a Vermont regiment was found sleeping at his post. He was tired and tried and sentenced to be shot. The day was fixed for the execution, and the young soldier calmly prepared to meet his fate. Friends who knew of the case brought the matter to Mr. Lincoln's attention. It seemed the boy had been on duty one night, and on the following night he'd taken the place of a comrade too ill to stand guard, The third night, he again had been called out and, being utterly exhausted, had fallen asleep at his post. 
As soon as Mr. Lincoln understood the case, he signed a pardon and sent it to the camp. The morning before the execution arrived, the president had not heard whether the pardon had reached the officers in charge of the matter. He began to feel uneasy. He ordered a telegram be sent to the camp, but received no answer. State papers could not fix his mind, nor could he banish that condemned soldier boy from his thoughts. At last, feeling that he must know the lad was safe, he ordered the carriage and rode rapidly ten miles over a dusty road beneath a scorching sun. When he reached the camp, he found the pardon had been received and the execution stayed. The sentinel was released and his heart was filled with lasting gratitude. When the campaign opened in the spring, the young man was with his regiment near Yorktown, Virginia. They were ordered to attack a fort, and he fell at the first volley of the enemy. His comrades caught him up and carried him bleeding and dying from the field. Bear witness, he said, that I've proved myself not a coward, for I'm not afraid to die. Then making a last effort with his dying breath, he prayed for Abraham Lincoln. Ephesians 4.32, Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, as God in Christ also has forgiven you. As always, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. Happy President's Day to all of you. That'll do it for this Monday edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producer Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow, Tuesday, for the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is next.